you ever own a bicycle where you couldn't actually sit on the seat because the handlebars were so high? Ryan did. This interview is a fantastic, and I say that every time, but it really is a fantastic interview with Ryan from South Australia, one of the assessors in the Adelaide team. And he's going to talk you through how he came to be a part of ACNA, one of his great client stories, his reflections on his work in ACNA, and of course, his first bicycle. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to podcast. Oh, sorry. ACNA Open Mic. It has a name now. Perfect. <laughs> Ryan, let's start with letting the audience know where you are located at the moment. So I am located in Adelaide, South Australia, just outside a small place called Gawler. So I'm a most northern assessor in South Australia. Oh, that's pretty exciting. And I won't say what brought you to the podcast because I just saw you on a blue jeans and said, let's do a podcast together. But I did promise you I would only ask three questions. Do you want to start with your first bike? Yeah, my first bike. So the first bike that I remember, so I probably had more, but the one I actually remember was a red bike. They always seem to be red bikes. It had a really low seat and these sort of high handlebars, almost like a chopper type bike. (laughs) But the funny part was that I actually couldn't reach the handlebars if I sat on the seat. So so my parents bought me this bike that I essentially had to stand up to ride (laughs) at all times. So it was was the coolest bike I'd ever had, but I just couldn't ride it properly because it had like this recessed handlebars and this low seat that I just couldn't reach if I sat down. Oh, that is fantastic. So at all those like spin classes and stuff, you just cane it because from a kid you were standing up Standing up the whole time. Yeah. That's just, it's the only bike I ever remember and I just couldn't use it properly. Oh, that's a good story. Were you in South Australia as a kid? Have you always born and bred Adelaide? Uh, No. No. So I I grew up in England. So I grew up in a place called Worcestershire. Uh, Most people associate that with the uh, Worcestershire sauce. So I came out here when I was 11. Oh, there you go. I am now picking up that faint hint of an accent there. Yeah, it's a bit of a twang. (laughs) And was your first bike in Worcestershire? Yeah, so that's where I had it. So I I grew up in a village, had about about 100 people in the village. My grandparents lived 10 doors down, so I used to ride down the, uh, the lane as it was, so a dirt track. And to see my grandparents on my bike. So, yeah, it's, it's different kind of living there. It's, um, you know, countryside, I guess, and everyone just lives right next to each other. Oh, that sounds so cool. Sounds like something out of an Enid Blyton book. Oh. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> oh, so 11 years old came to us. So at 10, 11 years old came to yeah, Australia. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we'll zoom right through to a point in your professional life, so we fast-forwarded quite quickly, that you decided you wanted to join ACNA. Do you want to tell us about that story? Um, joining ACNA was sort of a, came out of nowhere really. So during university, we didn't have a lot of placements when I did my exercise physiology. Only the academically gifted were offered aged care placements. So I didn't actually get to do an aged care placement at the time because I wasn't uh, smart enough. So my f- job before ACNA was actually in residential care. I did a brief six-month stint and I loved it. I absolutely loved the work and working with older Australians and that's what I really found to be my passion. And when this job came up, I really didn't know much about it. Everyone else has seemed to know more about the job than I did. Um, so it was only when I applied and during my actual application, 
I put all the, the questions in, got the phone screening. During the phone screen, I was sitting outside the gym answering these questions on the phone and a person broke down in the intersection in front of me. So I quickly basically told the recruiter, like, look, I'm so sorry, but I've got to go. Can I please call you back? Someone's broken down in the intersection. Um, yeah, so I literally put the phone down during my interview. Oh, memorable time. But you got through screening? Yeah, well, that's it. I think whatever I said after that, I think they just gone, well, he's potentially jeopardised his job for the sake of you know helping someone. So, yeah, it's a good recruitment tactic, I guess, in the future. If everyone wants to uh, get through an interview, just say someone's broken down in front of you and uh, say you've got to go. There you go, instant cultural fit. Yeah. yeah. And did you do the assessment centre? Yes. So I did the assessment centre. <laughs> Who was your Mrs Carter or Mr Carter? Um, I think it was, so Tanya was one of them. Um, so my now team leader, Tanya, and a lady who's since left. Um, they were the people that I was there for. But I really nearly actually walked out of the room before you get in the assessment centre. I just sort of sat there and said, I, I can't do this. I'm not cut out for it. Because oh, um, you're sort of answering these questions and pre- preparing. Yeah. Uh, so I nearly just walked out and I thought, no, it would be more embarrassing to walk out than stuff this whole thing up. Um, but it was the most daunting thing that I've done. But it's probably one of the most rewarding things to know that you can go into that situation, think in a way that is empowering to someone and to actually put that across during an interview. It's probably one of the most rewarding things to do. Wow. And there you were. And you got the job. Yeah, I got the job. And there was six others, or five others, six of us in total. So you're one of the original South Australia ACNA team. I think we were the, the second one that was actually the larger recruitments. So, yeah, coming up four and a half years. Oh, congratulations, Ryan. Yeah, it's been a, been a long journey, ever-changing journey, but it's rewarding in what it is. And I enjoy, I enjoy the variety in what we see. Do you want to tell us about maybe one of those stories in what you get to see each day? The clients I enjoy the most are probably the more complex clients, the ones where the complexities are there and you've just got to unpick all this information. Um, but I do enjoy one I had recently was a man who basically came through for shopping. So he self-referred himself for shopping and... Um, I got there, he had his uh, GP letter, had all these diagnoses written down, and he basically said, I can't do my shopping. His problem was that when he was walking around the shops, he experienced pain in his calf. And the more walking he did, the more painful it became. So he interpreted that as being, well, I can't do this because it's really painful. So I was trying to talk to him and at the same time read through his, his diagnosis. And it actually had it written there that he had peripheral artery disease. So PAD, a common symptom of that is what's known as intermittent claudication. So intermittent claudication is actually a symptom that people experience with pain in the calf muscle. The more that they walk, the more pain they experience. So this light bulb sort of went off and... So I said, well, look, if you were to stop, does this pain go away? And he goes, yeah. As soon as I stop, the pain goes right back down and I keep walking. So what I really enjoyed about that was actually educating him and say, well, look, this may be a symptom of this. Talk to us about, you know, with your doctor. 
but what you're actually doing in terms of walking is actually a treatment of potentially this condition, but you should speak to your doctor. So the value and the time that we spend with people is only something I've just reflected on. Most people will spend 5, 10, 15 minutes with their GP. But if you look at it from an assessor point of view, we can spend 45, 50, an hour and a half sitting with someone. So the amount of time that we have their attention for and, and vice versa, we have that ability to impart a lot more knowledge or a lot more you know, impact on their life because we're there for so long. Yeah. So that's something I've really taken up until this point for granted to go, well, I'm there. So if I can help them in more ways than one, then why shouldn't I? Oh, what a great reflection, Ryan. I am so stoked that you could share that on the podcast. Is there any other messages that you'd like to impart to your colleagues around Australia? I would say embrace the current circle and the Genius Project as a whole. I know having been part of the one that we're in now with the rapid write-up, to me, it is something that, you know, change, no one really likes change. Change is something that we, as an assessor, we've always dealt with in more ways than one. Um, But moving forwards, change is just going to be a part of what's going to come. So embracing that now, getting ready for it and being prepared to me is the best thing that we can be to put ourselves in the best place moving forwards, heading towards streamlined. Thank you. That's really awesome episode, Ryan. Thank you so much. No, it's been a pleasure. Hey everybody, it's Craig here from SA. Make sure you get yourself onto the ACNA podcast. What's better than on a Friday afternoon to see the email come through a podcast and go, oh, who have we got this week? And then get to listen to a fantastic story about one of your colleagues. Make sure you get yourself on there soon. Beck's waiting.